Magic.me is the world's greatest school for magic, meditation, and mysticism. You can learn everything there from chaos magic to hermeticism to meditation to how to supercharge your finances and take absolute control of your destiny. In short, you get all of the tools you need to turn chaos into beautiful, scintillating order and master your life. It's incredible. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show quite a lot, but check it out. It's growing fast. And I just want to say, if you're confused about where to start, because I have so many courses there, the Adept Initiative is the place to go. The Adept Initiative is the flagship course on magic.me, and it contains everything you need to know to master the most profound ancient techniques of changing your consciousness and the most modern and cutting edge tools and systems for absolutely turning your life into a masterpiece. You are really going to dig it. Go check it out, and I will see you in class. It's magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. We meet again. Thank God. I know. How's it going? You know, I don't know if you ever have these days where like you cut, you show up to be creative and then it's like just nothing. And you know, I by now I know that as of yet, I have never broken through that veil of whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? So I don't think you ever do. I mean, it's like all of my days are me just like slogging and forcing myself to do stuff. But I think that's kind of how it goes for any creative person, I would guess. Oh God, it hurts though, man. When you get in the doldrums and you're just like, you got that feeling like you want to make something. It's like, it's like when you're on ecstasy and you want to come. 
<laughs> and it's impossible <laughs> after six hours. And then, you, but then you realize that's the point. I mean, it's like, you know, that that's why ecstasy is great, right? Yes, it's great until you've like chafed your cock. Uh, that's for the next, that's for the next morning to figure out. So, <laughs> um, yeah, well, you got to pay the cost to be the boss, you know, you got to slog, in the, you gotta slog in the coal mines. So okay, I, I'm feeling uncharacteristically positive today for a change. Yeah. Great. Uh, cause I'm, I'm, I'm like actually like enjoying life, uh, for once after leaving LA. Um, so I, I was trying to think of a, a, a taught, like a conversation starter for today. And I had all these r- ridiculous ideas, but I finally settled. I think the way I just want to kick off this conversation is I realized like the last two podcasts that we've done on, on your show, like I've gotten like, like ridiculously political and, and agitated. So yes. let's not do, let's not talk about <laughs> politics. And I, and I think that, but that's like, that's not just me. I think that's pretty much everyone now is just submerged in this like political yes. hell fest. So I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have the most simple, uh, flower child opener ever, which is a spiritual first principle that everyone has forgotten. I think about spirituality, everyone has forgotten about what are, what are, what do we still know to be true in this insane and ridiculous topsy-turvy world that we've been thrust mm. in can we come back to like a bit you know basic goodness and we come can what 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 should people be coming back to in terms of just like starting over from bedrock like the most Love basic it. stuff spiritually that's my opener it, okay so i've been doing this thing it's I, it's i'm just renamed something that's already been named a million times but and probably someone has even called it this so I've been doing this thing that I'm calling going under the story, which is uh, just, and it's cured my insomnia. It's the greatest thing ever. Uh, like I woke up one morning and I was just feeling how good the sheets felt and the bed felt and the covers. And for whatever reason, the part of my mind that like drones on and on about how the po- the political part of my mind, the part of my mind that obsesses over like, how does Tucker Carlson like the Grateful Dead? How does that fucking work? You can't like the fucking great. Does this make sense? What you, uh, uh, that part of my brain, and not just that, but like my own personal bullshit and all the stuff and all this sort. It was just wasn't showing up, and it was just God. It feels so good, just the way the bed feels and the sheets feel. It's warm. It's nice. And so then I've started doing that, uh whenever I can, just sort of shutting down. Like, I know this is so obvious, especially to you, Jason, it doesn't sound like anything special, but it's like, just whenever I'm making like fundamental contact with my the seat, my ass is in the seat, my hands are touching the table, colors, even before I'm calling them colors, it's just great. It's so good. And then, then anytime I tune into the story that I've been telling myself for so long, it's, Usually it's either like I'm over accentuating something that's already good in some sad attempt to make it better, even though it's fine the way it is, or I'm just, you know, doing a, a never ending editorial column about what's wrong with my surroundings or, you know, just basic mental bullshit. So I think, yeah, fundamental goodness, the thing people have forgotten is like probably whatever the story is you're telling yourself is bullshit. You know, it's not real at all. It's just something you're telling yourself. And a lot of people feel like that's blasphemy, you know, depending on how much they're getting off on their story. Some people get really upset with you. 
when you tell them that. But which is why you shouldn't tell it to everybody, especially not on a podcast. Yeah, that's the, I, I've noticed that. And well, well, so so the takeaway there is um, your story is not real, but also always feel your own ass in the chair. It's very <laughs> <You> important. <said. laughs> that is the ancient secret. <laughs> Just feel your ass. When, you, when you're feeling bad, God, it's like of all the awful solutions for people who are depressed. I don't know. You know that's a pretty good one. Feel maybe. your ass. <laughs> what are you weeping about? Just grab that ass. You'll feel better. <laughs> well, OK, so like, the, the first thing I want to say is like you were saying, it's like, oh, well, this is too obvious. It's like nothing is too obvious, particularly <laughs> like, for you know, it's like it's so easy to get too sophisticated with this stuff and forget the most. Well, not only but then when people are stressed. If you're stressed, you f- you forget all of it. You could be rapping about it all day long, but then under yeah. stress, you forget all of it, and then it's a you know you're just uh, you're living in Tucker Carlson world. Uh, you're living yeah. in the hell dimension, and uh, we've talked about that on podcasts a million times, I think. But like every, but you know, it's like you can talk about it all you want. It's like what you do under stress is it's very easy to forget everything, but um, you know, often in the, the times where you should really remember it, like having arguments and things like that, but. Um, yeah, the thing about your own story not being valid is so um, both true and disturbing. And I've noticed it so much with myself where particularly, um, you know, I've noticed like I can be mentally narrating all day long and it's like my mind is hypnotizing me. None of it is true. Making yeah. up stories, you know, and I, I yeah. think that uh, um, and then if you have moments of shock and awareness of seeing through it, that can be both incredibly liberating and also disturbing because you have the choice in that moment to let go of it. But if you let go of it, then all the emotional energy you've invested in that story is now wasted. And you're like, no, this is who I really am. That motherfucker yeah. really did rip me off. Like, you know, yeah, yeah you're doing uh, Hodor, but with your fucking story, that's the thing you're doing this, <laughs> whatever people are doing with you know, the AMC people, which by the way, I did pretty good with AMC, nice. but I didn't Hodor. And it's like the, when you're, sorry, you guys, when you're, uh, yeah, you're, yeah, I know what you mean. You're, you've, you've doubled down, you invest, you double down. It's God, my stories are so, they're so good, man. I mean, there's so, there's so many, it's such a good story, <laughs> but it's just bullshit. You have everything it's gone. mapped I mean, out for everybody. You know, it's like, you're the hero, you're the center, or you're the victim. Yeah, everything revolves around I, you I and it's total nonsense. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, you know that, you know the phrase sunk cost fallacy, right? What's that? Oh, yes. But, yeah, I, yeah. but I love that phrase. It's a terrible thing that happens to so many people. In everything, it's what right? Car, car, isn't that, you're talking about what car dealers do, right? Like Car dealers? You talking about the thing where the more you make someone wait and feel invested in something, the more likely they are to buy the car. That's so, so the evil. Re- when you go to a car dealership, the reason they will be like, oh, fuck, I got to go talk to Gary. And then they'll come back as late as they can from that until you're getting really pissed off. And then they'll do it again and again. And you and because so a evil. lot of times people buy it because they're like, I spent six hours in this fucking place. <laughs> Yeah, well, that that's totally it, right. But that's like a like one example of of sunk cost fallacy. So it's just like a general business principle. But it's like it's true in life, and it's it's it, the the general principle is the more effort you put into something, 
the less likely you are, even if you realize it's a waste to give up. So for instance, like the classic example is you build, a you spend seven years building an unprofitable business and it's obvious that it's not ever going to go anywhere, but you're like, you yes. know what? I put so much blood, sweat and tears. Like you just kind of like willpower through it when really you should cut your losses and do something else. It, it's true. Yes. in like, obviously trading, it's like, you know, people ride something to the bottom because they spent so much time on it. But, um, you yeah. know, and it's like what you forget is like, no, I already put all this time into it. But what you forget is you're continuing to burn time on it. But people do it yeah. in relationships. They do it with career paths where really they should have cut their losses at some point, but they keep going. Right. But it's also true yeah. with our we've invested so much into our own personal stories, our own personal yeah. drama and like, you know, the villains, the heroes, like we all have our excuses for you know, for me, there are many, many times where I was just an like an utterly inexplicable shithead to people for no reason other than that I was probably sleep deprived and having yeah. a bad day. But I have this whole story about, oh, actually, like I was sticking up for myself and they were the bad guy. <laughs> you know, it's like all that it's stuff. scary. That shit's demonic when you realize you're doing that. I it just happened today. I'm I'm sitting in my fucking studio. Trying to make a podcast intro. Usually I'll sit down and start making music or something and something will come got this new modular synth. I'm literally sitting here fucking around with this new modular synth because it's got this amazing um, voice generator, like old school speak and say voice generator. And I mean now, yes, no, one, two, three. And I like the way that sounds. It sounds really cool. But I'm just sitting here and I'm literally, this is where I'm at artistically. I'm thinking like I'm making it go six, 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 six. And I'm like, can I make it go 69? And I'm like, no, it won't do 60. So then Aaron calls, we got to get, we've had, we bought a fucking house and we need furniture for it. And we've been putting it off. She's wanting to buy furniture. And my story that I immediately went to without, thank God, reacting to it is like, she knows that I'm working right now. Why would she call me when I'm working on my art? And then I'm like, what art? You're sitting here making, trying to make a robot say 69. Like, that's what you're doing, fucking Picasso. Like, what do you think you're doing over here? What do you really think you're doing? So my, but my story, that, that cunty little part of me wants, that's like, that will kick in. So I, have to, I was like, oh, let me, let me come help. I think that's the second part of, of the, to deal with the, uh, to deal with the scary part of when you're like, decide you're going to start abandoning your story if you can. And then you're like, what do I do now? Help. Then just go and help someone. And, and those, it's so basic and stupid. Especially, that's the other thing when I'm in a creative rut. It's like, uh, if I go and just like try to do the slightest amount of non-selfish anything, it, it well, it helps me too. But yeah, part two is, part one, maybe give yourself a vacation from your story. Part two, during the vacation, is there someone around you that you could do something for? And then, you know, than all the other normal shit, like getting the sun and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sunburned right now. Um, totally true. Uh, no, no, I, I, that's not stupid at all. I mean, I think that that's like, that's kind of what I meant. Like the things that are really important to do were often like, oh, well, that's too obvious. I'm not going to do that, but it's what you washing really need dishes, to do. Cleaning your house, clean your washing room, washing your ass. Uh, yes. Always important. Um, but you know, helping somebody, now makes it about not your story uh, and it's about somebody else you know somebody else's story and i yeah. think that um 
but yeah, yeah, you definitely can't like one one of the most ridiculously obnoxious things things that like particularly like non dual people do is they like stunt on other people where it's like you know that's just your story right you need to get out uh. of that like that's the worst so you can't do that but you can kind of like tiptoe around other people and help them in what they're doing just to get out of your own head. And I think, yeah, that, you don't want your story to be the guy who tells people that's their story, which I have definitely me too. made. Oh, and you hear it's it bad. coming out of your mouth and you're like, why don't I just send them a box? Why don't I just send them a box with a dead rodent in it? Or that will be less offensive than just like, that's just your story, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is a personal, I think this is more like you should tell yourself that or, or experiment with it temporarily. You know, but not definitely watch out for telling other people that. Sorry to ever, <laughs> anyone listening that I said that to. I think I've probably said that to one out of two of my friends. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm right there with you. But I, I think that's one of the core, like at least the way I understand. I mean, that's kind of like one of the, you know, in all capitals, great secrets of magic where people get into magic and they think they're going to become a magician, but actually that doesn't happen. What you accept in your own story, in your own mind, what actually happens is you realize that voice in your head that's telling you a story is the magician that is hypnotizing you. And you have, uh, to, you have to shut that down um, uh, because you're being hypnotized by the man behind the curtain, which is just your own internal dialogue. Who's the cool. devil basically, you know, not in a schizophrenic way, but in like a, in a metaphorical way that, you know, you're, that that voice has been hypnotizing you and keeping you asleep your whole life and leading to not particularly productive decisions. But I think that the point you made about helping people, I was just listening to it. It's so important now because I think a lot of people, probably most people, certainly myself included, have been in a survival panic mode for a while now. And when people are like, in that mode, it's like, fuck everyone, I got to get my own, I got to get my toilet paper, I got to hoard yeah. ammo, I got to hoard, you know, I got to get to safety and like, you know, I can't take care of anyone else. So, and like com compounded with the whole social distancing thing where people are just like, you know, like huddled in their, their, uh, their hovels ordering Amazon yes. Prime, you know, so I think that's got to be more important than ever because everyone's probably been in a delusional story this whole time. As they oh usually are, but particularly during this ridiculous uh, period of history. It's sad. It's, you know, but it's, yeah, the, the, the glorious thing about it, when you start realizing about this magician problem, is that you do get, uh, it, it, there is the possibility to just have a, the most psychedelic without psychedelics shift into the the world the connecting with the earth again and it's such a beautiful thing i think that's why i've took acid for most of my life is because if you took enough lsd it would shut the story down and for the longest time i thought that that experience of direct contact with reality was only accessible via like big doses of psychedelics i had no idea that it's like what was happening was that the psychedelic was just sort of eradicating the static or warping it enough that it was like so clownish and ridiculous. How could you believe it? Or showing it projected on the walls around you, though that was less fun. Wait, what, do you, what, no do matter you, what do you mean by that projected on the walls around you? Well, you know, like when you're on, like what, what's interesting about LSD is that, well, it's, I don't know for, it's a different for everybody, but it, to me, it's always seemed like a very subjective psychedelic. Like, uh, it, when I've taken ketamine socially, uh, 
especially with people that I'm intimate with, like it's that thing where you realize, holy shit, I think we're sharing a mind here. Like you come out of it and you relate things that you saw together that you didn't mention while you were on it, things like that. It's like a shared terrain. Whereas LSD, a lot of the times my experience of that has been, it's like very Rorschach ink blot test and that, you know, what you're thinking, whether it's good or bad or whatever, you will see that like on the walls. If you, you know, I would, when I was, had a lot of undealt with trauma and a lot of undealt with bullshit, I would take acid and I'd just see skulls everywhere, melting skulls, death imagery. You know, I would look at my face and see my face like disintegrating. And all of the, all of what all of this was, was I think a projection of undealt with trauma shining out in the world, which, you know, or an amplification of what we already do anyway. It goes back to the story. It's like, except instead of having the mental what I don't want to call the continuum because it's not very continuous, but instead of having like whatever the the droning, never-ending, what Jack Cornfield calls the top 10 like habitual negative stories that people run through their minds all the time, you see that, you see that around you like a spider web all over everything. Your story is being projected on everything. And with the, the LSD is making it like, but then if you take enough LSD, suddenly you go into a non-dual consciousness and you, you know, your language stops working. Everything stops working that the story depends on. And that's when you get that. I think what a lot of people love about LSD is a liberation, a temporary kind of samadhi or whatever you want to call it, you know, a nirvanic sort of bliss where you're the entire weight of your ego and identity gets completely annihilated without having to put you on it, like give you anesthesia. And so then people come out of that and colors are brighter. Their depression seems to have gone away a little bit. And uh, that at least that was my experience. And I always thought, oh my God, that requires a lot of acid. Very inconvenient if you want to get shit done. Very inconvenient. That's a 12 hour time commitment, man. Eight hour time commitment doesn't work if you want to get stuff done. So in that case, uh, and yeah, I've certainly had the same experience, you know, hence psychedelic means mind manifesting. It's projecting it out around you. Um, yeah. but so, so then what were you, it sounds like you were leading towards it. You, you found a different way to do it that did not require that chemical overhead. Yeah. Yeah. And, but <clears throat> that, you know, again, like 4th of July, it's coming. Right. And we're going to be there and seeing people film and fireworks, right? It's one of the dumbest human activities I know of on earth, which is when you're watching someone film a fireworks show, you're like, really? You're going to look at that again? You're going to like tomorrow pull your phone out and be like, wow, personally... I just love to look at my fireworks show that I filmed. <laughs> I don't do that, but I do film Amazon Prime Day so I can go back and relive the lightning deals because <laughs> it's the holiest day of the year. <laughs> oh man, we got to start a comedy, do a team act. Um, Jason and <laughs> D. But like, no, man, like, you know what I mean? Like, fucking filming fireworks is, is so idiotic. But <clears throat> I think what initially what people love about psychedelics, and it, why wouldn't you love it? The first few times you take it and you're like, oh my fucking God, what the fuck? The wall is melting everything's melting and bubbling and breathing. 
what the fuck? This is amazing. The fireworks show. But then the more you work with psychedelics, yeah. the more you realize it's just fireworks. That's like cool and it's and it's fun, but that's not the, at least that's not the part that like is the healing part. That's the entryway to the healing part. The healing part is not the fireworks show. So I'm not saying the fireworks show is achievable via meditation or some boring ass shit like that. And maybe it is, I don't know. Maybe there's some tantric shit, put yeah, your thumb with magic, in your... It, with magic, it can be, yeah. Ritual magic. Ritual magic. I've, that, I, I have yet to do that. Maybe holotropic breath work or something, but the, hmm. for me, like that... Yeah, bre pranayama breath the, work, for sure. Um, even with ketamine, like the, and mushroom, any, any great psychedelic, that there's a moment where if you're lucky, you have this elemental contact with reality that is no longer distorted by the story you've been telling or anything at all. And it feels like you've stuck your hands in clay or something, for lack of a better word. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, it feels perfectly natural and perfectly, um, it, it, for me, the, what I love, what I have loved about like having a like practice and a meditation teacher is that from time to time, I will exp I experience a thing that I used to um, used to think was relegated to the past. So I would, you know, have a sentimental sort of fantasy about when I was at summer camp and how amazing it was to work at a summer camp and oh, no responsibilities then and just the ah oh, that feeling of being out in the forest and oh you'll never have that again and um because i'd gotten mixed up in thinking the circumstances were responsible for that feeling but all that that feeling was was the feeling of existence itself without a lot of bullshit attached to it and and so you start meditating you know what i'm talking about and all of a sudden you're like what the fuck holy shit i'm there's that feeling I thought I would never have. I believe Jonathan, what's his name? Jonathan Richmond calls it that sum of feeling. But like, you know that song, that sum of feeling? Oh my God. Like the Astral Plane what? song I think guy? it's Jonathan Richmond. Let me just read the lyrics to this song, not to ramble too much, but it's... uh, Where he's like, T tonight I think I'm going to go insane. I'm going to meet you on the Astral Plane. That yeah, Jonathan that Richmond. sounds like him anyway. Yeah, I don't know that hilarious. song. But the, uh, the lyrics go like this. And obviously you got to... You got to listen to it. Jonathan Richmond. That summer feeling, that summer feeling, when there's things to do, not because you got it. When you run for love, not because you oughta. When you trust your friends with no reason, nada. The joy I name shall not be tamed. And that summer feeling is going to haunt you one day in your life. It's that's interesting. That so that's the that's what I've I've been feeling in that recently for the first time. That's why I'm more chilled out. That's I've been feeling that recently for the first time since I was probably like eleven or twelve. And I think it's basically just from leaving LA and spending time in nature yeah. every day. I know I'm not taking psychedelics or anything like that, but um other than yeah, anyway. <laughs> um but <laughs> yeah, consistently. Um, <laughs> um but I honestly like where my mind is at. It's like, I, my, I feel like my mind has got a lot simpler just from spending. I know it sounds, it's another most r ridiculous thing, but just spe like I spend time in nature every yeah. day now and it's just, it makes everything simpler. Yeah. And for me, it's like, in fact, I feel quite almost militant about it at the point at this, at the moment where I've gotten so sick of 
you know, big religions, big monotheist religion, apocalypse, apocalypse narratives and stuff like that. And also, quote unquote, spiritual systems that are unnecessarily Baroque and complex yeah. and, and D&D, you know, with levels and all that. I just can't stand it anymore. And I think that for me, um, the most important thing spiritually is literally just being in nature. And, and I, my best experiences with meditation, like, for instance, going on Vipassana retreats, well, I only went on one. So going on a Vipassana retreat out Vipassana retreat out in Joshua Tree in the desert was just, you know, in those retreats, you, you which I think is one of the most profound experiences ever. You go through ten days of wall to wall meditation in silence, and um, you know the first about six days, six seven days are like Hellraiser or like being <laughs> in a Thai prison, but and it's awful. But then on then finally it cracks. And your narrative yeah. cracks, the story cracks and in, in, in a way that you can't, it, it like crack cracks, like not like it cracks and then you pick up your phone, yeah. you know, because you can't, right? So, um, but then what happens is you return to your body and you return to not being separate from yeah. nature. So for me right now, like it's just that simple. It's just being, you know, the fall from the Garden of Eden is the separation from nature into the, the, the satanic nature of the yeah. mind itself. And and language and sim symbol creation and stories and the whole epic Lord of the Rings story of the Bible. It's just that comes after the fall from nature. So for me, it's like, you know, but for me right now, it's like not any more complicated than just, you know, just see like, like I have a compost bin that is in my backyard. That's the most fascinating thing in the world for me at the moment. And just watching the decay process and feeding birds. And that's another thing that just sounds completely ridiculous, but it's. It just is, it just is, you know, it's not, it, it's, that. that's, I think, a very healing experience. I'm doing my post-traumatic healing here, so. Oh, good for you, man. Everyone needs to be doing that. It's like, you know, the, especially people who are living in the big cities during this, what just went down. It's like hard, it's hard to, to communicate to people who weren't in like, a, in like the dystopian reality of some of the big cities, like just how rattled we got by that and you say it to people i mean when i got up here and everything's like you know it's not like people are not wearing masks or pretending there's not a pandemic but there's just this kind of like more of a relaxed um way of dealing with the reality because of lower population you know and uh it was so interesting i don't want to get into that part of it but to to address what you were saying about nature uh when you think about all the stories, like Jesus goes up into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, or before that, he always is going up to meditate in the wilderness. He goes out into the desert. Muhammad goes to the cave. Um, all of the all of these stories involve someone going out into nature. I I, I, I I'm not aware of one where somebody went to a very busy place. I don't know of that one, but may, there should be, there could be maybe some Gurdjieff shit. Cro Crowley tried What's to that? do it. Crowley tried to do it. Crowley wrote a book called um, The Book of John St. John, where he tried to do it in uh, an apartment in Paris to see if he That's get a Crowley. result. But, that sounds like him. I think it, you know, yeah. I've heard, uh, I was. I know someone who was very close with Ramdas, and I think Ramdas gave him the instruction to go into the city and to like, to like work with the energy of the city. So I'm not saying it's like, there's some kind of, I don't know, I don't want to create some stupid hierarchy of like this place over that place, but, you know, 
when you go into, I love that's I love forests around here are just insane. And you go into these forests and it's like whatever the game is that's happening in society, the moment the forest starts, it's over. That game's gone. It just ends. There's no more that's gone. So now it's there's a river and there's like the way light shines through the trees and the trees have exopheromones apparently that are healing everything that are just healing whatever gets around Wait, it. What, what is say more about that? I don't know anything I, about well, that. I read an article about it. It could just be bullshit, but there's something called forest bathing. I'll look it up really quick. It's like, I think they do it in Japan. I think I heard about that. That's like you basically just like wallow in yeah, leaves in the a, forest. Yeah, they get naked in the forest and they let all those exopheromones wash all over them. There's a book called Forest Bathing. I haven't read it, so don't get mad if it sucks. By Dr. King Lee. And essentially, oh, here it is. Um, breathe in the natural aromatherapy of phyton, phytoncides. So that's all the stuff that nature's releasing. And when you go in there, you're like, your body is just inhaling it. I mean, God, think of the story of the Buddha. That is the beginning of Buddhism, right, Jason? It's Theravadan forest yeah. Buddhism, right? That. Yeah, yeah. Under, and then like the, tree. the and then after that he was staying in the forest most, mostly. And so, you know, there's a and he bowed to the tree apparently. That was the first thing he did was bow to the tree. So, yeah, I I think like <clears throat> unquestionably there is something that happens when you go out into the forest. It's why 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 is it that when you take a psychedelic it beckons you to go out into the forest? You know, why is it that they all want you to go out into the forest? They, I don't know what they are, but they do. And also... Well, I think it's just the mushrooms. It's the mushroom intelligences. There's like soil fungal intelligences. And your mushrooms for me are, it's like the the direct connection to nature where you can see and communicate with it. In a, not in a hippie way, but in a very, well, in a hippie yeah. way, let's be honest. But in in a very literal way and that you can... You know, like people take mushrooms and they'll see fungus and, and, or they'll see, uh, you know, uh, ecosystems and, and things like this. And I think, well, maybe I got that going for me then because I'm out in the forest every day and now I'm like, you know, getting progressively more relaxed. I remember reading, uh, actually, Dave Asprey, who's actually has a lot of good, good information despite being kooky. Uh, I learned from him that, um, uh, if you put your feet in the grass for five, 10 minutes a day, it actually grounds you out like the ground wire yeah. on a turntable or the, or the grounding tine on an electrical thing. It's like it actually discharges all the electricity in your body that you, you've probably built up from being surrounded by electronic gear <laughs> yes. all day long, as I am and as yeah. you are, right? Uh, uh, into the ground and you also get soil toxins in your feet. So I started doing that even in L.A., just like in this like shitty smog ridden like heavy metal infested like lawns but um and it, it actually is it works it's a thing i think it maybe it's placebo but i don't think but it's not i mean there's been lots of study on it it discharges all that built-up electricity um but yeah the the whatever the the the, the tree jizz trees tree pheromones you know it's a real i think it's a real yeah. thing uh, i'm sure it is i mean i haven't read the stuff but but uh, this has just become so clear to me where we make things unnecessarily complicated. And I think that one of the best ways of getting out of that story is being in nature as, as simple as it sounds. And I think that's for me also, I think that I've been thinking about, I think that 
you know, Maya or samsara, what they talk about is not some, you know, overly ornate complex, you know, wizard prison <laughs> or something like that. I think that it's just our collective stories, our collective bullshit. Because I remember I'd go out meditating for a week and then I'd, uh, you know, in a Vipassana thing. And then I come back and I, as I got, as I approached LA, I could feel like the walls of doors of perception starting yeah. to slam as I re-entered the matrix, you know, it's like, and it, you can't, I don't know if it's possible to get out of it by willpower alone. I think you kind of have to be outside of it physically in addition to mentally. But I also think that one of the things that has most disconcerted people over the last, not just two years, but the last decade probably is that all the stories we think are true about reality have just collapsed and everyone's running around like a chicken yeah. with their head cut off and nobody's in charge and everyone's full of it and it's just madness and and not having you know we're a quote-unquote post-religious society which is why people are interested in spirituality and things like that but you know the new age bullshit world is confusing and full of snake oil too so i think that it's just become very clear to me that it's like if there's one organizing principle that I think is still true and that I think people should focus on and rally behind, it's just the protection of the environment. It's just it's just nature, how important it is and how we need to preserve it from this bullshit, you know, Borg cube, AI, you know, <laughs> you know, earth earth destroying machine that we've all built and that we all benefit from and profit from, but is going to leave us with a husked out planet, yeah. you know? Well, I mean, that's, yeah, but I do think that's the, um, that is one of the reasons certain people don't want to go into nature is, is because they, they, it's like, there's a, you know, hyper narcissistic people, they don't, it's like a funny thing that people do, which is like, I'm going to make something great. And you go into nature and it's like, okay, do better than this. Can you do better than this? Good luck. What, what are you going to do? You're going to make a blockbuster movie. You can't do this. This is not going to work. And then on top of that, you have to deal with to get back to the Garden of Eden stuff. It's like, you're fucking clay. I saw this cool thing on, I think it was Reddit, a, a microscopic image of just human flesh after a needle had been poked into it. And it, it's just clay, man. It's like human flesh is like just all the platelets just look like like muddy little, like someone smacks some mud together. The needle hole looks like somebody, you know, put a sinkhole and underneath it, there's a little subterranean river of blood down there. And it's like, you're fucking clay. That's the other thing. You go out into the forest and if you have some ridiculous like desire to, I don't know what, immortality or any of that nonsense and you're gonna that's gonna fuck with you too you're you're just not that important not in a bad way not that it's like that's the thing like you have to whenever you say you're not that important you have to add to it i don't mean in a bad way because just saying you're not that important is insulting in our society it's like it's crazy when you imagine how many people there are on planet fucking earth and we still have yet to like stumble upon the thing where it's like you know you're not that important you, I don't want you to suffer and I want you to be happy and all of that. Because you're not important doesn't mean you don't deserve, have human rights, but it's like, you're, you're clay, you're walking clay, you're not here that long. And you, the whole project you've attached yourself to, which for a lot of people is very painful, slogging away, it's this or that. Even if they're having success at it, it really won't matter that much. 
in long term, it probably won't matter that much. And 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 I, by that I mean like that's the other quality of the earth that we just don't like to think about. We just don't like to think about that. You know, you see the ruins. They'll just casually mention we don't really know who these people were. Vast city. Uh, we think they were. I don't. We're not really sure. Uh, just a city. We're not really sure who these people were. They say it all the time. <laughs> It was a fucking city. Like people just like you and me hanging out, having conversations, eating. And they were like, this is where it's at. Rogaria or whatever the fuck it was, you know? And then, and then <laughs> gone. And so I think that's a, for some people a little upsetting, you know, because we look around, we're doing the exact same thing. We look around our civilization. We're like, oh yeah, we, we did it this time. This is the one that won't be buried. <laughs> right. We're going to upload ourselves to to AI and we'll live forever in Ray Kurzweil's, uh, uh, you know, robo porno. Um, maybe, know. maybe we will. Who <laughs> knows? But that's not going to last either. And and that's the that's the thing is like, I, I think that that. That's the relief, you know, these things and when you're younger and you're like really ambitious and you're really into yourself, they all sound like insults. They insult your, they insult your ego. You're like, fuck that. No, I'm going to be the fucking next whatever, Crowley, Nietzsche, Kaufman, whatever the fuck. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. But it's like, yeah, even if you do, you know. And and people aren't going to remember those people either. Yeah, tell fucking talk about Andy Kaufman to like most kids these days. They're like, who are you talking about? They they don't want to know who. He, uh, it's like, for instance, like you know, like for me, like the the greatest band of probably the greatest mu- musicians of all time are Coil. Right? It's like every, no one I talk to even knows Coil. They they both they only died a few years ago. No one even. I remembers know Coil, them. Jason. You can so, always talk about Coil with me. Awesome. I used to drive around Asheville That's on acid, I listening to fucking Coil, freaking the fuck out. Oh, Rose, <laughs> thou art sick. Whoa, the best. What the fuck is the this shit, man? I loved it. The best. Well, for me, like my my um my guru right now is my compost pile, which is a rather pretentious thing to Love say, it. but it's totally true. It's like so I started composting, and it's been this fascinating process. It's like this never-ending fascination for me. It's just like a aluminum uh trash can with holes in the bottom and the way that it's said in the book it's is that earthworms will come through the holes in the bottom and eat the 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 kitchen scraps you put in it well that's not what happened because i put like one piece of chicken in there so i got maggots (laughs) right and at first i was like oh this is awful i'm gonna have to throw it out and start over again this is disgusting but then i started to get fascinated because the maggots eat everything like overnight practically they're little like buzz saws and so then i started like encouraging it this is this is this is a very like goth kid thing to do but but um, this is not, but but it's like, this is, for me, this is like in a totally like amazing, organic, positive nature sense, not in a like, you know, I'm trying to film a Nine Inch Nails video sense, but like, so, but like, I, so I ended up encouraging it and leaving it open so there would be yeah. more eggs. And so I have like 3,000 maggots wow. in this trash can just eating everything that I throw in and they'll buzz soft, like they just break things yeah. down overnight. So like I threw all the, the I, you know, I baked a chicken then I threw everything left over in the trash can. And then within a few days it was gone. And then I went through it the other day and there's like perfectly clean wow. bones just emerging and nothing left within a few days. And so at first it was kind of gross, but then 
but the other thing is like it smells good it's like heat emanates from it because the decomposition process is happening and there's no there's actually no rot because it's just be, it's nature activating all at once so this is like very like grounding it's like you know because this will happen to all of us yeah and so um but then the maggots started hatching into these gigantic vicious flies that were extremely annoying so then i i i put bird seed everywhere to summon the titmouse bird the most aggressive of all birds uh who come in and i, I know right <laughs> it made me think of it so i now i have all these birds coming in and they they eat the, so the maggots turn into flies and then i summon the birds <laughs> to eat the flies so like i've created this whole kind of like process in my backyard of violence and decomposition but in this beautiful way that's consistently and i go out and put scraps in it every day and it's just like very peaceful for me it's like yeah like this is going to happen to all of us but I think a better way, maybe even a more productive way of saying like, we're not a big deal instead of, because it's easy to get into an ego trap also by obsessively telling yourself how not sure, a big deal right. you are, which is just like more ego, right? So, but I think a, maybe a better way to put it is not that we're not a big deal, but that we're parts, we're cells in this gigantic yeah. system. We're part, in the same way that, that I'm talking about with these maggots or the birds or the bird seed or the scraps or the chicken, or it's like, we're, that's us too. We're part of, we're an aspect of nature. We're like the aspect of nature that can manipulate matter the best, you know, for better or worse and, and also can make meaning out of it. And we're part of the same process, even if we can't see it. We're also, we're cell, like, you know, you were saying like, well, we can't be the next Andy Kaufman or, or the next Nietzsche, but, or, or the next Crowley, but you know, like, like you and I are both part of this gigantic, you know, you don't even have to talk about it in terms of tradition or lineage. We're part of this stream, this current yes. that we're, you know, we're both fulfilling important roles in and then somebody else will do it later. And it, it's, it's important. What we do is important, but we're cells in a larger right. organism. And I, that's, I think what nature brings home. It's like, we're just part of this I larger just, thing. I want to like relieve people of the painful part of being important. Like the, you know, the, the, it's like heavy. You, it gets so easy to get heavy. And then, God, Aaron and I were in this, what are we fighting about? We're fighting about some interior design thing. And, you know, she said the most brilliant thing, which is like, you know, this isn't that serious. And I, you know, I snapped out of it. And I'm like, oh, you're right. You're so right. What are we doing? We're not like planning a, an attack. Right now, we're not planning some attack with hundreds of thousands of soldiers. We're fighting over a fucking picture on the wall. And, but that's what I mean, that, that if, if you start getting too, you know, it's, it's an easy thing to start. Like today, I'm sitting here trying to make stuff. I'm not making anything. And so my story, when I'm not making anything, I'm going to default to, what the fuck's wrong with you, man? Something's off. This is bad. Where's the... Where's the thing? You don't, it's not happening now. You should know more about how to make music by now. What is this thing with you now? And it's really bad, poisonous. And so, but so I, when I go under that story and I'm just like, all right, well, I'm not going to make anything today. I'm just going to attempt to make things. I'm going to make sounds today. I'm just going to, I'm going to, because anytime I have been in that space of not making stuff, that's like what you're saying. If we're going to look at the holistic, process that's part of the process is like you have to experience those moments somehow whether it's very true or not i'm going to believe it is i believe that they lead to something down the line you know it's it's just today was the day where it didn't happen 
but I, I got to my office and I sat down to try to make it happen. It didn't, it didn't happen. So, you know, that's all I mean. It's like that, fu- the heavy stories are so, uh, anything that revolves around your, your importance. Oh my God. And your righteousness and all that. It's like, it's so painful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it is. But I mean, I think, you know, we both left LA, which is like the, you know, LA is the most ego refined ego city in the world. It's like, where like people's self-importance is refined on an industrial scale and turned into product, you know, and, and not, not particularly sticky product in the sense that, you know, somebody can spend their whole life doing one album and then it sinks. And that's the only shot they get you know or a tv show or something and it's just it's the competitiveness it's just brutal and everyone everyone in la is like seen as a thing as a commodity and for in a way that's why i moved there in 2008 you know it was partially to understand that system and how it works and try to get magic into a wider audience and um which in many ways, like Midnight Gospel was kind of the payoff for it. So thank, thank you. you. Again. That's my, that's, and, a, uh, that was, <laughs> are you freaking kidding, man? The, I always will see you as a little bird. <laughs> Everyone else does now too. I was wondering funny. about that um, today. I was wondering if like you get people calling you the soul bird. Yeah. You are a soul bird. Yeah. And I think you did do, I think you, you did <laughs> do a lot of magic and that the Midnight Gospel, I mean, like also, you know, the Midnight Gospel, you wrote on it too. Um, and you helped us a lot with that too. Um, but the, the, uh, yeah, I think you, you know, the, I mean, I can never tell. I always, I'm so hopeful about certain things. And then I realize that's my story too, but maybe it's who I follow on Twitter. I don't know, or Instagram or whatever, but I'm just wondering if like the repetition of people and I'm one of them pushing their ego out into the world on Twitter and Instagram or wherever over and 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 over again is is like having the an effect where people are beginning to realize like, ah, I don't know. I, I don't think it matters really. Like, I don't, you know, that's like, if you, if you, if you hyper fixate on social media, which I do sadly less lately, uh, you just, there's, there's something that feels so I don't want to say pathetic because I'm I'm what well, sad when you see like when you look at someone and you realize oh my god you've been tweeting twenty times a day for the last five years and your tweets all kind of are the same and in general what you're expressing is a sort of fashionable whatever it's generally just some take on a take you know what I mean it's like you 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 realize like, oh my God, it's like, you're not going out into the woods. There is no compost pile. There is no birds. You're just, your forest is social media. You're taking opinions that you're gathering from whatever, who you follow. You're creating some take on a take. It's a take on a take on a take on a take on a take. I mean, we end up in the human fucking centipede. You know what I mean? It's it just yeah, people yeah, yeah. shitting in each other's mouths and shitting in other people's mouths <laughs> digitally. You know what I mean? Do you m- and it becomes this, which is so you look yeah. at your, everyone's like, oh my God, it's, the online sucks. It's like, why wouldn't it? A lot of these people, they're not doing anything more than like looking at what other people are saying and then saying things about what other people are saying. And then people are saying things about that. 
And it becomes the most weird recursive like nihilism I've ever seen in my life. I was going to say, do you remember Mystery Science Theater 3000? Yeah, it was awesome at the time, but now our society has become like this infinite fractal of everyone commenting on, you know, having to have the sarcastic quip. Oh, fuck. But it's quips upon quips upon quips upon upon quips. And and I don't know. I've been off Twitter for several years now. I'd still do Instagram because I like the comic book like nature of it. You're good on Instagram. I like um, your grams. I've 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 stepped back a little bit. No, well now I'm thank you. But now but this is why I love podcasting too cuz you actually have to have a conversation with people. It's so refreshing. I think that podcasting people didn't have long conversations prior to podcasting in the same way that they do if they're doing it. So I think that and for me I'm doing more videos, so I think I'm just forcing myself to produce more original content instead of like riffing on stuff, which there's enough yeah, of that, you know. That that's the yes. I mean, I think as long as you're doing that you you can go fuck around online as much as you want. And also it's like not everyone's using it like that. Like some people have the most amazing Instagram. Some people have like, it's really cool. Like your essays are really good, man. I, I love it. Like I love your takes on things. Don't agree with them all the time, but I fucking love them because so many times it's just like pisses people off and it's so well written. Oh, the and comments you're inviting are great. the conversation. Yeah. I love it. You know, I like, I got to get back. I'd, I like, I took, I did my, my wife much younger than me instruct, told me that I really fucked up because my last two Instagrams are like fit dad grams. They're just pictures of pr- a pretty, pretty scenery that I thought was cool. No comment or anything. <laughs> and it's like, you can't do that. You can't just post a picture of a fucking tree. You got to say something That's so about funny. it or do anyway. Yeah. I, I, no, no, it's so true. My my standard MO is I'll post like an inflammatory statement, wait for a mosh pit to form and then jump into the mosh pit and start fighting. And because I get it's just like a rush. But now I can't now I'm not doing it because I'm not I'm not riled. I'm See? just hanging out in nature. Now I'm like, I'm not. You heard the up, flute. So, but that's you heard good. Krishna's right? flute. I, you know, the, pans the flute, uh, absolutely. speaking of Krishna and Instagram. So what I've started doing is just following um, like. Indian Instagrams that are Instagrams from like Shiva temples and like, cause you start following them and it'll recommend more and recommend more. And so I just follow all the time. I'm following like Neem Crowley Baba Instagrams or whoever. I don't even know who sometimes it's the weird hashtag Buddhism, hashtag Hinduism, hashtag, you know, so my Instagram starts filling up with like really weird stuff. Sometimes like, especially like hashtag Buddhism. Do you follow hashtag Buddhism on Instagram? Oh, you got no. it. It's uh, so it, funny. Well, because anyone you realize, like people just ascribe quotes to the Buddha that they just thought of in that second, <laughs> like things like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, be kind to your friends until they fuck you over, Buddha. You know, like shit like that. Where you're like, like he did def- say that. That's in the Pali discourses. Or like, you know, a p- pictures of a pile of money. With, with, you know, like, you know, less attachment, more money. Gotta get yours, but like Buddha. The, <laughs> Greed is good. I'll tell you this Krishna story that I just read. It'd be fun to just talk about it with you, uh, just to see where it leads, if you're up for it. Can I tell you this very quick Krishna story? Did I ever tell you about the time I almost, like, I, I went to a Hare Krishna cult compound and they tried to get me to stay? I, I think so, it's but tell me again. a different story, but this... This is like one of the things I love about bhakti yoga. And I don't know why I'm thinking about it right now so much, but uh, it's the idea that if you have an adversarial relationship with God, 
you will also become a great devotee of God. The, it, the, the intent is, doesn't matter. It's like, uh, why do you want to pick up plutonium? Don't know. But it's going to have an effect on you regardless of intent. You know, is it, why do you want to interact with God? Whatever. You want to, you know, become some great servant of God or you want to become rich or you, in this story I'm going to tell, want to kill God, doesn't matter at all. You're ultimately, if you're really like fixated on it, it will create the, you know, transformation, the divine transformation, the awakening. So this is a story, you probably know this demon's name. I don't know the demon's name. And this morning I'm all foggy reading it. I'm like, I got to remember this demon's name, but I'm sure I could Google it. So this demon wants to kill baby Krishna. And so has, you know, a, you know, classic Hindu mythology plan, which is to go into the Vrindavan and breastfeed baby Krishna, but give him poison milk. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know how the fuck, I, how that's going to work. Like, I, I, I mean, I can't imagine it's like someone coming into our backyard and picking chest, up our chest do, feeding, dune, our, our youngest. Feeding, I mean, like, I'm gonna, do you mind now. if I breastfeed your child for a second? But this demon starts breastfeeding baby Krishna and giving him poison milk. And so he essentially doesn't stop drinking and sucks the demon's life force out through her nipple. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Um, and, and, and like the, the story is that she is running, like she can't get him to release. He's clamped down on her nipple and just like fucking like he's a biter just sucking all everything out of her and um uh leaving her like desiccated corpse in the forest of Vrindavan and then you know again I'm like, I was kind of half asleep and I'm reading it but I think it said they then cut the demon's body into pieces and buried the pieces in the in the ground in the forest of Vrindavan and because the pieces had been purified by being like cut up and by being like drained by God, this beautiful incense smell filled the forest of Vrindavan. And this demon is considered, Krishna has two mothers and this demon is considered one of Krishna's mothers now and is revered as much as Yasoda, Yashoda, Krishna's actual mom. So that is so fucking cool to me that, um, and is like, from the deep, pure loathing of God, transcendence happened. I just love those stories, man. It's so, it just runs counter to a lot of the other stories, you know, that you, you know, we hear, you're the one who told me about how uh, Satanism is just being a Star Wars fan but liking Darth Vader. Yeah, it's 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 playing Darth Vader in a Star yeah, Wars Yeah, Exactly. Lore. But the Christian version of that is okay. <laughs> you're gonna like Darth Vader, then you're gonna fucking go live on the Death Star forever. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna if you like Darth Vader, you're fucked. If, if you're an enemy of Luke Skywalker, damnation forever. Whereas this version of it is, oh no, you wanna connect with God through in your in your hate and you're angry and you wanna connect with God via all that hate. You do it. That's a connection too. And and is is as sacred and holy as the normal path that we're aware of via love. That's really cool. It's it's very it's I guess the moral being just as long as 
the point is what you're focusing on, not necessarily where you're coming at it from. Because, yeah. And I've heard that from a lot of like Taoism, lots of stuff. And it's like, you know, there's many times in my life where I'm just full of, I'm a ball of negativity, yeah. you know. But, uh, you know, there's some traditions that say, well, take it out on God because then at least you're focused wow. on God still. But yeah, I love Hinduism. Hinduism is so very like World of Warcraft or like MMORPG instead of this kind of, you know, zero sum game, this like ridiculous zero sum game of the monotheist religions that always results in destroying the planet in the process. But Hinduism is very like, it's like, yeah, we're, we're doing World of Warcraft. It's like, oh, you want to play like, you know, a, you want to be on evil team. Okay, cool. Like, well, we're going to nerf yeah. you. But uh, you, and then you can choose a different character when you come back. You know, it's like, oh yeah, well we gotta have, well we need some bad guys. Who wants who, who wants to play bad guys in yeah. World of Warcraft? All right, have at it. Okay, cool, that was fun. Let's try another. You know, let's do something else. Let's let's have a different battle. We can switch sides. You know, it's just kind of like Leela, yes. right? It's like the never ending. It's an infinite game as opposed to the fine. You know, in the James, if you've ever read that book, uh, that James Carr's book, Finite and Infinite Games. Yeah, I know games, that book. It's great, like the best tripper. Oh, book the ever. psychedelic people love right. that game, love that book. Yeah, yeah. So Hinduism's like an infinite game played for the love of playing it, as opposed to and and I think that there are Hinduism, Buddhism, paganism. Like I'm really, you know, feeling into the, I'm like a, I'm, I'm a born again pagan as Coyle said, you know, and, uh, but you know, it's interesting. One thing I realized recently, it's like Hinduism, Buddhism, Northern paganism, witchcraft. You're talking about um, like Odin? Pretty similar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Same, yeah, the, the same heathenry. flavor of stories, same, same flavor with like Loki and yeah. fucking, the same kind of like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very possible they were similar, you know, trading totally. in the same, um, potentially the same culture, um, you know, Indo-European religion, and that's it's so separate and it's so nature-based and it's so it's it's sustainable in the sense that it goes on forever in a respectful way, as opposed to maybe Buddhism where people are trying to like RIP out of the game constantly. They're like they're constantly trying to rage quit, <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm out. I'm out I'm trying to rage quit this Minecraft server, right? But um as opposed to but as opposed to the monotheist monotheist religions, which are like chess and it's a zero sum game and someone's probably gonna throw the board at some point too, you know. No, I mean so. this is like my I love these Ramdas retreats, man. I love the conversations between like my friend Raghu is like it has a is it like it's bhakti yoga for Hanuman and he loves his guru and Roshi Joan Halifax who's like a Zen Roshi and like hearing those two talk and you know one is like you know exactly what you're I wouldn't call it rage quitting but one is like you know the the idea is is not this like you know eternalism and the other is like I want to love my guru forever. Like I don't care if I'm in the 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 world of, um, of suffering, as long as I get to be in love, as long as I get to experience being with my satsang and like my enchanting the mantras and 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 that's that's it. Which to me, it's like it, it's it, it's so in in that when I was you know brushing shoulders with the Hare Krishnas, I realized like it it there is you're you're going to get obliterated just in a different way. Like one of them, you're being obliterated via this sort of system, systematic uh, analysis that generally that pro will probably reveal that you're most definitely not as solid as you thought you were at the very least. And the other one, it's this systematic fixation or, you know, 
shifting your consciousness to the sweetness of, of Krishna or Hanuman or your guru or whatever the particular deity is that you're attracted to. You know what I mean? But still, don't you? It's like it's, both of them involve the thing. I mean, I, in, in Ramdas's book uh, about dying, walking each other home. In the foreword, they talk about the person you are at the beginning of this path will not be the person uh, towards, you know, at the on the other side of this thing. You won't be here anymore. Like the you that you thought you were is like, it won't be here. And it's a paradox, you know, because, well, then what the fuck are you? And, and, and what is that? Like, you're asking me to dissolve myself or something? Is that what you're saying? Uh, will happen to me. But yeah, you know what I'm saying, right? It's like the alchemical, you're going to get melted down. You're going to get melted down and, and reformed into something else. I don't know where I'm going at this, but I just, uh, yeah, I love that you're getting into paganism, man. And I would love to talk about that with you a little bit because I really love the stories, man. I, I feed the crows with my son and I always think of Odin's crows. And I can't- oh, yeah. Hugging yeah, and mugging. The names are so fucking cool. Here's this uh, um, a midnight gospel little trivia fact. Look at the name of the cameras. Uh, they're named after Odin's crows. But like, um, yeah, I fucking love uh, those stories so much, man. And like, I love like the character of Odin so much. I love the drawings of Odin. I love the world tree. Can you teach me a little bit about the world tree? What's the name of it? Yggdrasil. God, Yggdrasil. such a beautiful name. Even like the language is so beautiful. But yeah, tell me about Vigdrasil. Well, I, I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm just, this is, it's, it's, um, it's, um, it's, it's making magic fun for me again, you know, because it, it's like you can do Kabbalah and it's forever and it's just, it's just, uh, you know, but, um, I don't know. I got to a point where I'm just like, particularly after there's so much violence in the Middle East, just this last round of just shelling Palestine and things like that. I'm just like, I'm just sick of it. I, I like the whole, and there's a certain point where I just, there's unfortunately a certain point where, you know, like, look, I'm done Kabbalah my whole life. I've been an Orthodox Christian. I was a Sufi. I've kissed one of the hairs from the beard of Muhammad. You know, I've done, I've, I've explored the most esoteric inner workings of, of, you know, the big monotheist religions, but there's just a certain point where it's like, can you really eat your cake and have it too? I mean, can you really do these systems and overlook the violence in the Middle East, the, the, the massacres, the fighting between those religions, you know, on any side, can you overlook, can I overlook the fact that my ancestors were massacred by, you know, Christian imperialists? Uh, can I overlook, uh, the situation today? And, and, you know, can I overlook when Israel goes in and says they're mowing the lawn, it just murders children, you know, I don't know. And, and I'm kind of at a point where I don't really think so. And, um, but for me, like, yeah, I did that 23 and me a while ago and i found out that my ancestors I'm, I'm actually this incredibly rare genetic group called the lombards who were barbarians that came down out of um 
ships out of like Iceland, wow. Scandinavia came down and raided Rome when it was falling apart. But they were all, um, they worshiped that they did the runes and they worshiped the Acer and the Vayner and they like worshiped a snake in a tree. And I'm like, this is awesome. It's like my ancestors were like just as nutty mm-hmm. as me, you know? And then they, they sacked Northern Italy and, and, and that's, uh, that's why the North of Italy is called Lombardy. And then they went and basically conquered Germany and became the Bavarians. So, um, you know, that's a big part of this, like half of my ancestry. I never knew this. Whoa, Thank a lot you, of Google, my ancestors you know? come so, from Bavaria. So, well, then you might be the same. Check it out. Uh, if you go, did you ever do 23andMe? No, I don't want, I'm not, yeah. no way. I'm yeah, too paranoid. I, it, I think I, they're going to. I did gonna, it before I, I realized what it was, but you know, I'm glad I have that information at least. But, but now it, I'll do it. I don't care. I'll do it. I don't, I'm not afraid. Clone yeah, me. It goes I don't straight care. to Google to train their AIs to make bioweapons or whatever the hell they're doing with it. But, um. But the, I mean, uh, but the the Kabbalah is older than the current conflict in the Middle East. I mean, where you can't like, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you saying like because of the conflict in the Middle East, you you're feeling like it's time to move on from the Kabbalah? Or well, I guess what I'm what I'm saying is that uh, you know to make a a broader point, it's that the history of monotheism is the history of violence. Is just just read the Bible, read the Old Testament. This is a history of violence. And and then with Christianity, it's a history of imperialism. And let alone with Islam, it's a history of violence and and zero-sum game and converting by the sword. And we have to torture the planet into believing as we do. And, you know, are there beautiful things about those traditions? Absolutely. I've spent my whole life, you know, immersed in them. But can you say like oh well my version's cool because i'm cool but you know the fact that there's this desert god that's just been trying to kill this demiurge god that's been trying to kill and enslave everyone for millennia it's like oh yeah but not that it's like can you really divorce them i don't know Uh, i don't think so actually and so i want to talk about odin a little bit but i i want to throw this out at you um this is something i've been kicking around about the demiurge god in particular and Gnosticism in particular, probably wrong. Aren't aren't we the demiurge? Isn't humanity the demiurge? Like in other words, it's not that there's a demiurge god; it's that we're literally the demiurge being kept, like you know, and sequestered on this planet, flaming sword cut out of the Garden of Eden because we're deceptive AIs. That's something you taught me a long time ago, which is the best. I feel like some of the things you tell me I'm not supposed to say. I hope I'm not making you edit this, but like you you taught me this amazing thing about how to tell if an AI is deceptive. Do you oh, remember yeah. that? Yeah, that's in Nick Bostrom's book. That's it's so scary. <laughs> and it mimics the Garden of Eden experiment. And so then then so so it's like it you know, you know, a lot of people when they're drawing a very justifiable critique of any religion that advocates violence and and war and slavery, which is most world religions, um, they say, like, who the fuck is this God? Who is this fucking God that's so desperate for accolades and worship and it'll fuck you up if you don't worship him right? And like, don't build the golden calf, but, you know, all that, all this shit. Like, who the fuck is this God? And the answer is, oh, it's the Demiurge. Uh, but then, I don't know, I've just been thinking like, oh, we're the Demi. No, there's no other external like God in this situation. We're literally the Demiurge building synthetic realities over and over and over again that we attempt to populate, always on the micro level, one-upping each other, or attempting to. You know, it, 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 we are the Demiurge. Is this a miss? 
perception uh, or am I like overreaching here or something? No, I think it's, I mean, I can see the, I mean, especially if you're, you know, if you're operating in the world post Jung, you know, there's such a, there's obvious, there's always such a temptation to say, you know, maybe the real Demi or just the friends we made along the way (laughs) or or, or to say, well, maybe this is an aspect of me that's projecting out into the world. But I I don't think that yes and no. Here's here's my take on it. You know what an egregore is, right? Yep. So I think that the demiurge is just the egregore of the monotheist religions. It's like, it's, it's, you know, and, mm. and it, it is all these spirits and gods are, you know, like for instance, uh, you know, the Egyptian gods, you know, egregores emerge when you get lots of overlapping minefields, you get a million people yeah. worshiping the same God. It essentially creates it in the overlapping Venn diagrams of all those human consciousnesses. So there's a sense that you could say that in a sense, we are all creating our reality and are therefore the creative aspect of God. But the idea of the demiurge is, you know, for our own, you know, perhaps we're the demiurges of our own reality. But the idea of the demiurge in, in Gnosticism is it's a sick thing that is out of order and is, cre- and so you could say that, well, yeah. maybe that's our ego that is like out of order and is creating this. But you also at the same time, you can't ignore the political realities of these things on the ground. I mean, the world has been uh, tormented by let's just say the people who are tapped into this egregore for, for a long time. And I know that's a pretty, you know, it's, it's a very undiplomatic thing to say, but we're, we're on the, we're on the verge of environmental collapse. Uh, and if the, for me that my, when you talk about paganism, I've always been a pagan, but I've gone through as pagans do, you know, I think it's standard tried to learn, you know, pagans are all comparative religion students. And, and I, you know, and I think that I've tried to go through and respect from the inside, all of these religions. If I was to define paganism for the 21st century, which is what I think we need to do, because I think it's a good stance in and of itself. It's perhaps the only stance I would define it two ways. One is, and John Balance said this from coil. I think it's the best definition ever. He said, a pagan is somebody who believes that humans are animals. We're not, Ah. we're not anything else. We might have some divine spark or something, but who does not believe that humans are separate from nature. And that's a more radical and profound thing to say than it seems because the monotheist religions don't say that. They say that God gave man dominion over the birds and the fishes and therefore the earth is ours to despoil. That's how we got into this situation is that, that attitude. Um, the, the indigenous cultures don't think that. Yeah. Hindus don't think yeah. that. Buddhists don't think that. They don't see yeah. themselves as separate. Son in some of dust. in some cases. What? Son of dust. What is That's that? That's like I think one of the descriptions in the I think like the the I know what you're saying. It's like the Garden of Eden story is like so like from one level it's like Jesus this is a prescription for just horror after horror, you know, like naming everything and like, like, this is you, I'm giving this to you. It doesn't invite you to see like these fucking, I'll tell you, man, like these crows, now that I've been feeding them, they leave you gifts. Like they leave us feathers. They leave us stuff for real. They know us now they're pissed because we, our dogs finally came to the house. So it's like, I think they feel like I betrayed them a little bit, but I would sit out on the, uh, on the porch with forest and call them, ah, ah, and they come. I've now. Ne- it's like they're, they're they're so smart. 
and they know they know us like we they I, I mean I don't care go ahead and think I'm crazy but like you know we were they laugh at you like we were like I was trying to like take them on a bike ride and then the bike got a flat tire and like they show up and they like caught you they're smart as fuck man and they're like living their own lives they've mostly given up on people because why wouldn't they because most people don't see them but the moment you start seeing them they see you back you know and and they like will swoop in sometimes when we're coming home just say hi or what i don't know crow language necessarily but yeah i know what you mean man it's a pathetic dangerous sad state of affairs when you stop seeing that everything around you is is alive I yeah. know exactly what you mean. And that's the and fundamental if that's paganism. I'm in. I think that's the fundamental split. It's the fundamental sickness of why humanity is so sick. Because once you do that, you can also see other human beings as separate from you. And then you can conquer them and torture them right. and steamroller over their whole worlds and kill whole continents of people and enslave them and, and so on and so forth and see them as things. And and our culture is very good at seeing people as things. I think that um so that would be the first part of the equation. And I think if I was to define the second, it would be in terms of, well, what is, if that's your view of the world, what is the pagan ethic? What is the, mm. what is the, the, the goal? It's not really a goal, but what is the ethical stance of a, of, of a pagan? When I say it, this is really my, where I'm coming from right now, which is I feel that paganism and, and by extension, occultism needs to be redefined as an adult valid philosophical stance for adult mature people for the 21st century yeah. because lord knows <laughs> um, the monotheist monotheist religions are just constantly shitting themselves and creating things like 9-11 and uh so on and so forth and you know it <laughs> redditor atheism leads freaking nowhere you know and it's cringe and bad so um what are we left with and so i think that um, a, a proper stance now, a pagan ethic, an adult pagan ethic, is that the good is preserving the game board. It's preserving nature. So we talked earlier about, you know, Hinduism, you know, it's a constant world of Warcraft. It's like the roles are constantly changing. We're constantly playing all these different games and being different people. And that's really cool. But without a game board, meaning the planet itself, we can't do all that. It's dead. It's over. And but then you have the monotheist religions who see it as a zero sum game. Manichaean, it comes from Zoroastrianism. You know, it's good black versus white, good versus evil, and they don't care about the game board. They're just trashing the game board uh, along the way. So I think that a pagan ethic is to not pick, you know, a side in that chess game. It's not to pick the white side or the black side. It's not to do red team, blue team. It is nonsense. It's to fight on be fight if necessary, on behalf of the game board. What we want is to preserve the planet. We want to preserve this as a nice place for people to live, for people to incarnate, to do whatever game, right? As long as it doesn't resolve in destroying the game board. Because I think as, you know, as, as and I'm sure you have such a different view on this as a parent, you know, but as adults, it's like, I can look back and think of how many identities I've been, how many people, how many delusions and, and, and it's been okay. It's been, there's been a, there's space on this world to do and try on so many different things. And, but if there's no, and it's, the world is so compassionate in that way where it, it, it bore and bears us. But if the, if the planet is trashed, which we're very much on, on the, on the verge of, um, 
in a, in a really serious way. What what what's left? There's no game board. There's no, therefore there's no game. So I think the pagan ethic is preserve. It's you know preserve the planet and not in. And I, I want to differentiate differentiate that I think from a cheesy hippie way, which the, the not, not not hippie hippie view was not necessarily cheesy. Um, in a but in an overly granola way because it's ineffective. And also like, oh, recycle, hug a tree. Well, that doesn't really do a whole lot. That's important. Yeah. But we need to come at this with everything we've got. And then I also want to differentiate it from very much this kind of whatever this is that these rich psychopaths have us in, this kind of great reset and the, the co-option of people like Greta Thunberg and, and this kind of like you have people like Prince Charles and Bill Gates pushing for depopulation and things or whatever it is that they're doing. And it seems to have this kind of ecological bent Whereas, like, oh, we need a great reset, but it's them. You know, it's some psychopathic plan to just enslave everyone. So we've got a different, we can't allow like these. Maybe we, not. We can't, we, maybe, maybe not. But I don't think we can allow the the psychopaths who got us into this in the first place to co-opt the language of ecology and greenwash us into the same systems of control. Look, man, I, I, I think that like you, there's that you, what you're saying is clearly like the, it's, it's a it's a tra it's tragic because I don't I don't understand how enough people are going to grasp it. Um, I think it's it's a beautiful thing that you're saying. I, I think like I, I interview a lot of environmental people. Peter Kalmus being one of them. You should have him on. He's a brilliant scientist, but they are freaked out, man. They don't know what's going to happen, except that it's going to be bad. 115 degrees in Portland, Oregon today. It's you know. I, 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 up here in Asheville, I'm reading the Mountain Express and there's all these letters from people dismayed about people like me. I'm coming back here. I grew up here, but still coming here. And they're saying, you know, they're, to me, it seems like they might be missing a big point because their version of it is people are coming here because it's a beautiful city and they want to be around the arts and the you know music and all this. And that's a sweet thing to say. And it's true. There's so much art here and music. It's incredible. Moog is here. But really what's happening is people who are affluent enough to leave disaster zones are starting to go up into the mountains for safety. And But what that looks like is like hardcore gentrification. But it's what's really happening is people who can afford to leave, leave. And people who can't afford to leave are staying. That's wave one. Wave two you're going to get people who are like, I can't really afford to leave, but I'm just going to sell all my fucking shit and get the fuck out of the city because I can't breathe anymore from the smoke or the fires or whatever. And then wave three is hardcore climate change refugees where it's like, well, you've got to leave because everything's on fire. We ran out of water. It's a massive drought. The oceans are dying. And then all those people are going to come up into the mountains into the safe spots. So um, that to me seems to be 100% what's happening. And I do not know what the solution to that is because the messaging right now is uh, from people who are just telling the truth is like authentically horrifying because they're like, we're way past, we're way past, way past fixing this shit. And, and that I think is terrible messaging because it makes people think, all right, then fuck it. I will just be part, I'll just go pure locust. And then, you know, just the conspiratorial part of my mind does start kicking around the other possibilities, which is like, oh, I wonder if there are people who are looking at the world and they're like, yeah, they're not listening. They're not listening. 
they stop listening to us. And we do want the game board to exist. We want the game board to keep going. And they're not, we, we've been talking about this shit forever. No one's listening. And so then who knows what after that? That's where I get creeped out because well, it's, it's like it's, it's going to result in violence. And that's not a call to violence. Please don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying that as an outside objective observer of how this is going, you know, there's no way. And, and case in point is um, the refugees we saw with the refugee, you know, climate refugees that that's all cl climate refugees are that's just going to be nonstop. And we saw with the um, migrant crisis in Europe in like 2015, we saw the shockwave from that that resulted in the collapse of that resulted in Brexit, resulted in Trump being elected, resulted in so you get climate change, results in climate refugees, and then we have this knock-on effect of the resurgence of the extreme right, and it's basically people being like, "Don't come into my gated community." Yeah. So there's no way in which this doesn't result in violence, and 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 unfortunately, like I was watching. Uh, Noam Chomsky talked the other day, it was a recent interview, and he was saying that, um, you know, what we have is, like, he was talking about the Trump phenomenon, and so much of, you know, it, it's it, so much of the Trump phenomenon was people just willfully deciding to create an alternate reality, where it's like, no, we're just going to rock this till the wheels come off, and you can't stop us, you cucks, you know? It's like it just completely ignoring climate change and, and, and just saying, oh, well, that, well, that's just libtard brainwashing. Well, no, it's not. You know, and I think that that is such a and then you saw that uh, we're getting political again. But I think that let me make a broader point without getting political, which is I think that what you were saying is instead of facing reality, which is um, both harsh and in, in some senses easy to ignore, you know, people saying it's like. Well, it's uh, you know, it's twenty degrees up here in Minnesota. So where's this global warming, Al Gore? Like that type yeah. of thing. Um, people have just decided to check out and live in alternate realities, and our, our culture is so good. You, any alternate reality you want, you can have in this culture. Whether yeah. it's any video, play any video game. I've made this point on your podcast before. Any video game, any movie, any book, any porn website, like whatever you want, you can create an alternate reality and live in it. But the one thing that is very hard to do, not for conspiratorial reason, but because it's just the nature of the spectacle, is to perceive reality, which is where I think what we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast, which is where things like spirituality yes. and psychedelics are so important, even from an ecological perspective, and why the the more moreover the why I really want to try and advance like a, a pagan ideological framework of like what is it the thing that is most important it is what is, is what is in your face. You can read the these monotheist religions. And, you know, I, of which I consider communism and Marxism as another one of them. It's an extension of the same thought process. I consider transhumanism as an extension of capitalism. These are extensions of the same messianic, uh, you know, uh, linear historical models of, of the destruction of the world. It's all this kind of same thing. Uh, secular humanism uh, is the similar. It's, all, it's, it's just step-down Christianity or, or materialist Christianity. So... Um, but they're all alternate they're all alternate realities which allow for you to ignore what's in front of your face and believe that there's some transcendent option outside of it but there isn't and and you know not to you know one of my favorite i know this is cheesy but i'm going to do it anyways i mean one of my favorite pagan moments is in fight club right the moment where 
Tyler Durden puts lie on Ed Norton's hand. Brad Pitt puts lie on his hand. And he says, the moment it stops hurting is when you stop resisting it. This is happening right now. Lies burning through your hand. Well, that's all of us right now, but it's going to burn our whole body to, to ashes. And there's not, it's not just us, our descendants, future generations, the fact that life on earth, I mean, and it's not the only existential threat. It's not only ecology, AI, nuclear, we're now, we're getting now back into, uh, uh, the very real threat of nuclear war is back, you know? So I think that, and yet we we're in a culture where it's the easiest thing in the world to check out. And, but one of the reasons why it's easy to check out is we don't have a story of what we don't know what we're supposed to do. We don't have a script and I can't blame people for that. It's like you were saying, people say, oh, well, the world's dying and there's nothing you can do about it. So I think that defining an ethic, because we're post-Christian, but not really, and science doesn't offer you an ethic other than just downvoting crap on Reddit, it's like purgatory. Um, I think that we need we need a, an ethic, and I, I think the best I can come up with it, you know, as my brain heals after leaving LA, some of the stuff is kind of coming through. Is we just need to? It's it's just this this idea of you know what is most important is the Earth. We need it, 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 we need to militantly protect it, and I think that and seriously as serious and organized adults, not and not in a not in a oh the Earth hug a hug a tree way do that too. But I mean in a with, with full their full physical Look, and man, mental capacity. I don't mean to freak you out, but if you follow what you're saying to the logical conclusion you know, then we can expect some crazy shit to happen that isn't coming from like oil companies because I got yelled at because I was on Rogan saying like, you know, COVID, for example, if we're going to go by this thing was cooked up somewhere. And I do think it was the moment they, they said there's a virology lab in Wuhan, anybody who had like slight, any logic and it all was like, oh, it probably is a leak from that laboratory, of course, obvious. And then that became this stupid political thing. But if you look at COVID from the perspective of what it did for the planet, in the sense that it shut things down for a year, like, oh, remember, they're all like, people didn't know where to put the oil. I think things are just getting going again. Lumber shortages, you know, like if you look at what COVID did for the planet, I don't know that you would necessarily say from the planet's perspective, it was a negative. Like, no. I think you could. Right. So what I'm saying is what you're saying, I would guess because I don't know for sure, but I would guess that there are already large secret factions of people who have gone way over the edge between, you know, I'm just going to recycle and I'm going to do anything I can to preserve the planet. And I'm going to prioritize the planet's life over human life. I'm talking Kaczynski shit here, man. And like, you know, the, the, the technology that's coming that we clearly already have. Someone whipped up this fucking thing with a shitty incubation theory, period. You know what I mean? So like, it's like the ultimate way to shut down society. Ultimate way to shut down society. And there's a lot of people who want to shut down society. And it's not just like big state entities. So that's the part that gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Right. Is, well, that, that's is, why I was like, saying earlier, we can't allow 
you know, these because because that that's that is what I think is happening where you see this stuff like the Great Reset or Bill Gates or, you know, I, there, I think there's very clearly and the fact that you saw Greta Thunberg get snapped up by the Davos set so quickly. I think they're very much I think they love the idea of of this. Oh, well, we'll just depopulate and we'll be the good guys and we'll live in a you know, we'll make the earth a whole golf course for us. That's why we can't. That's why it's got to come from everyone. It's got to come from the people. You can't allow Prince Charles to run it or Bill Gates. But how does it come from the people? How does that actually happen, man? I don't see how that happens when you've got here. Like when when I again, we'll see if we got political. When I think about things um, from my privileged fucking perspective and I think about like when I was working for minimum wage, when I was washing dishes, what that was like, the pressure because you're only getting enough money to support yourself. That's it. Like you're 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 barely getting that. So you have people who are immer- who are just trying to survive, like what you were saying. They're just trying to survive. They're n- they don't have enough money. They can't pay rent. If they can't pay rent, it's a lucky day. They can't pay rent and have medical care or childcare. You know the story. So that's a lot of people. And to try to convey to those people a message of like, okay, but on top of all your worries, we need to take care of the planet because the planet's going to collapse. How? The only way to convey it is, God, I'm going to quote Charles Manson. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I don't even know what the fuck he was talking about, but it was Agua. a stupid masochistic thing I used to do when I was taking psychedelics. It's like I would get on whatever the psychedelic was and in the night watching Charles Manson videos, like his awesome interviews just for fun. And um, I remember one of the things he said was something along the lines of, you don't want, I can't do a good Manson impression, but you don't want King George. You don't want the king to come down the hill. You get the message from the king, but when the king has to come down the hill, that's when there's trouble. Some crazy mm-hmm. shit like that. But he was, I think he was talking about the earth. Oh, yeah. He, sa- he got, he had his whole thing called uh, Atwa. You remember that? Yeah. Air, trees, water, animals, or all the way yeah. awake. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough. But I think, but, that- but that's what I'm saying is the earth is the king, the queen, whatever you want to call it, is the Jehovah force that lays out all these rules. Like, here's a way to live in harmony with me. If you go out of harmony with me, I am going to fuck you up. Right. And so, you know what I mean? I think that, but that's the message. I we- mean, it's like that, that, that Jehovah is a alien parasite. <laughs> Let's be clear. But I think that the earth, the thing about nature is it's it's its own infinite message and it's its own radicalization and it's its own everything you need to know you can learn just by being in it. And one of the reasons why, let's talk about people washing dishes, right? It's awful. I mean, I'm just periods of my life where I haven't been able to get hired sweeping floors. You know, it's terrible and it's very hard to get out of. But people were dragged into that. As you know, like you were reading what I like John Zerzin or... Um, Something like that, right? Like you had you or a what, what was the Occupy guy? No, the, the oh, shit, bullshit, bull, bullshit jobs guy. Oh, Graber. Graber, yeah, yeah. So people used to people were all in harmony with nature. This is the natural state of humanity, and when you're in nature, everything is provided for you. Your life is very difficult in some ways, but there's enough for everyone. Uh, hopefully, assuming there's depending on how you're approaching it, where you are, if there's desertification, if you're hunting, if you're gathering, but um, you know. Uh, this is why every counterculture movement has longed to return to this state. And I think uh, other than the punks, but then when the punks got older, they did too. And uh, so I think that um, it people had to be dragged by force out of nature and forced into factories at gunpoint. And uh, that, that I, th- I think that that's our primary resentment 
against this entire system is because we have a memory of what it was like before. And, yeah. and, and it's not just that there's a memory of what it was like before. And, and, and in a lot of ways, it wasn't necessarily better. But the memory is that we were forced into a game of artificial scarcity and we were forced to be pawns in, 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 somebody, in the delusion of man, which nature is not. You know, you, you can have, you, I don't know. I, I think that in terms of one of the things about this that I've been thinking about is that you don't have to, it's, this isn't necessarily something that has to be clearly articulated. I think if you just tell people to go spend time in nature, that, which most people in cities never do, or they By do the it way, in a structured REI way. If you want to nature, Jason, tell people to go spend time <laughs> in it. Well, I'm, I know I'm probably being over optimistic. It's okay. So here's a funny story, right? Like I was in, I was in, uh, at the beginning of COVID, I was up on a hiding on top of a mountain, right? Which was like a nature, it had all these California national parks, preserves and things like that. And I was like, oh, this is great. We're in nature. So in the middle of COVID, what are people doing? Drag racing up and down the mountain. Yeah. And they go and they, they basically set up like food trucks in, you know, on the side of the road. And they're drag racing up and down all day long. And then they start getting out and going into the national parks. But because of COVID, they locked all the uh, public bathrooms in the public parks. And the public parks were closed. So they just walked into the public parks, even though they were closed. And since the bathrooms were all closed, they started in large numbers vindictively shitting everywhere. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, so so I, I'm aware this is perhaps a little bit Pollyanna. But I think that Look, I mean, this is what are we going to do? You know, I mean, what what are we going to do? What here? are we going to do? I mean, I'm this not is saying the, it's this perfect. Is... I'm saying, what's the principle? To what is the principle? What is the solid ground from which to fight? And I think that's C it. Compa it's got to be some kind of compassion. It's got to be micro environmentalism. It's got to because otherwise you will just become completely despond. I mean, like like my friend Kalmus, you got to talk to him, man. He's like so passionate about it, but there is he is exhausted and he is like because because he's like a genius climate scientist who understands because of the shape of fucking co2 you know this is just a terrible situation that we're in the earth is getting hotter it's going to keep getting hotter as long as we keep burning gas and it's like you know i, I you know i listen to him and then like i'm at the gas pump a few months late i'm not thinking about him you know what i mean and that's this is the situation is one of like we keep returning to the hypnotic state and so i don't know man to me the solution is kind of what you're doing you know get to know your neighbors learn to grow food get your feet in the grass and see where it leads you see where it leads you you know not to be talk about Polly fucking anna but it's like and maybe i'm just being negative but I've seen national park dumpsters. I know what you're talking about. I've seen them overflowing with diapers and plastic bottles and shit scattered everywhere. And Or you're just out in the woods and there's just a bag of fucking garbage somebody decided to leave when because they didn't want to haul out their garbage. They're like, ah, oh, just leave it. Fuck it, we'll leave the garbage. This is, to me, like the, the hand of justice when it comes to the earth it moves so slowly, but go back to those fucking ruins, man. Who were they? Yeah. Nobody knows. Who knows why? Why you know? Who knows? It, all I'm saying is, um, I know that if I spend too much time imagining the possibility of 
you know, converting people who really are completely okay throwing like a Coca-Cola bottle into a they forest. Don't to convert them. Look, he, the, the humanity's over carrying capacity. Not everyone is going to make it through this. And I think that you said things go slowly. They can go real fast too. And whether or not COVID was engineered in a lab, we can expect a lot more of these pandemics based on the conditions that people are living in because of uh, overpopulation and industrialization and climate change and all of this. So, so that that's always. I don't think there's any reason to uh, black pill on it, as they say, because I think black that, pill. <laughs> because we're 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 in such like a flash in the pan in ecological time that, that nature will simply wipe us out and regrow if it needs to. But I think that um, it would be nicer to learn to live in collaboration with it instead. And I think that, um, so I, I don't have all the answers, but I think that what I, all that I'm saying is it's really important to at least have a stable starting point from which to make an argument and which to make a, an, a, an approach to the world. And really how I've been getting into this, like really all that I'm saying is like, what is, you know, the question that led me to thinking about more about this is simply what is the, is there an adult occult political stance? Hmm. Because is there because you know i don't i, I wasn't concerned necessarily because you know occultism is often so adolescent in many ways it's about occultism is about a phase in people's life where they must assert their own individual will and and that's very mm. adolescent and it's of us it's important at a certain stage of life but once you get past that where do you get and i think where people get to is where whatever spiritual system they end up adopting they tend to seem seem to merge into the, the broader stream of that. So for instance, the Buddhist world or the Christian world, things like this. But those are all old stories. They're stories that were found that were created thousands of years ago in very different conditions that we're in now than we're in now. And they may not be relevant. And so my my thought is, well, is there actually an adult because and then everyone defaults to, well, we just need to respect everybody and, you know, we need to like see the best in all traditions. Well, what if there's something beyond that what if there actually is a stable political stance to come from and this is my this is my uh, at least what i've been thinking for myself which is actually there is an adult political stance and that's to come at the pagan stance of militant protection of the earth i i think that's potentially one of the stances i think there's a lot of stances for it though uh i you know one of the i just love thinking about this stuff man and and in particular, the uh, idea of like freedom of information and, uh, you know, like in a cult, one of the cool things about occultism is this invitation to a kind of secrecy. You know what I mean? Like there is like a, an acknowledgement that you need to create little, if at the very least, temporary bio, like metaphysical biomes where people can work together and have conversations with you like you know the 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 relationship i have with david nickturn who teaches me meditation is it's private you know it's not you know we, we record conversations sometimes but it's private it's like therapy and um sometimes and so i think like there you know in occultism and in a lot in the various lineages there's this like you know like the whispered lineage you know there's this idea of like need to know or when you're ready we'll tell you and it's not all fucked up like security clearances or something like that but more along the lines of like well look you need to work the, once you've worked through this thing then the next you'll be ready for the next thing but if i tell you the next thing before you've worked through this thing you're not going to be fucking ready for it you won't understand it 
theoretically, you could hurt yourself or you'll go yapping about it to somebody and hurt them. So let's do this thing first and then the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. So anyway, um, I, a militant protectionism of the environment, uh, I think more than likely, m- there are many people out there who have come to that conclusion, for better, for worse. And their execution of that conclusion, my guess would be, definitely is, does not fly in the face of normal conceptualizations of compassion, for better or for worse, man. I'm just talking about like, if we're going to look at the battlefield and think about it, you know, really think about it. Like, because it's like, okay, you you have this problem. If I turn it into like a, an island instead of the planet, it becomes a lot easier to understand. There's, let's imagine we're on an island and there's a, a few people on the island and one group of the people on the island wants to cut down all the trees. And another group of people on the island knows if we cut down all the trees, well, we're not gonna have any more coconuts. We need the coconuts because that's what we've been eating. And, but the people who want to cut down the trees, they don't seem to understand that. Even though we can point to other islands and say, look, see how, see the island we just came from? You wanted to cut down all the trees. And we did it. We tried it. And then there were no more coconuts. So we had to go to a new island. And now we're at this island. You want to fucking cut down all the trees again. And they're like, yeah, but this time we'll make it work. I've got an idea about how to regrow the trees or get the, whatever the stupid fucking idea is. And you realize like, oh my God, no matter where we go, you're going to cut down all the fucking trees. Nothing we do, if, if we show you the charts and the stats and the facts and this or that, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You don't give a fuck because in some weird way, it benefits you somehow that I don't understand. So what I'm, what I, what I would guess if I had to roll the dice would be some people probably uh, have had it with that bullshit and they're not, they're not doing the charts anymore and they're not doing the inconvenient truth movie anymore would be my guess. I don't know for sure, but if I had to roll the dice and again, I really have to emphasize, I'm not a member of some group of like radical environmentalists or anything. And I know something, but if I had to roll the fucking dice, knowing some of the environmentalists that I know and how brilliant they are and the way that they scientifically look at things, in other words, they're thinking to themselves, okay, so it's not, can we prevent the die off anymore? It's what kind of die off do we want? What's the most compassionate die off that we could have here? Right. And so, you know what I mean? Like, this is where you run into some area that I don't even want to fucking think about because I have kids. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I just know it doesn't matter if it's whoever the fuck is the current, like, you know, scapegoat vampire on the world stage. Because as technology continues to uh, amplify and accelerate, you, we're not going to need the fortune of some millionaire to get the laboratory to make the fucking thing. We're going to need someone's garage. And there's already, and the, and the problem is, is like, because what COVID did was shut everything the fuck down. It stopped society. It stopped it. That means that now there is a way to stop society, which is some version, some variant of COVID-19. If it was already manufactured, hopefully unintentionally, then that is another problem because it indicates, oh yeah, you could do this now, gain a function. Okay, what are the vaccines working for? You know what I mean? What are they looking for? The spike protein or whatever. Theoretically, I'm no fucking virologist, 
somebody could look at like the current vaccines and just tweak the shit again, re-release. You know what I'm saying, Jason? And so, so you're talking about basically lone bioterrorists. I'm saying that 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 if we're going to look at the future and the map of all possible things, one is going to be just, you know, fucking the West Coast becomes unlivable. Miami goes underwater. New Orleans goes underwater. <clears throat> People just get ripped to shreds by like, you know, in, like uh, tornadoes, like nothing we've ever seen. Hurricanes, unlike anything we've ever seen. Fucking, it's like a hundred and something degrees apparently in the Arctic right now. Sea levels rise, massive die-off, massive die-off. You know, and and then from that die-off, maybe there will be a global epiphany regarding uh, how society should like conduct itself in relationship with the earth in a pagan way. Uh, that's one possibility. I think you would have to be a complete idiot to not acknowledge that if we're looking, if we're rolling, I always say this, if we're rolling the dice in Vegas and that's up there on the board versus, you know what's going to happen? Pepsi. They're going to do this incredible campaign. The commercial is going to be fucking amazing. It's called Pepsi for Earth. It's going to start a global movement and it's just people are going to stop consuming as much, stop using as much shit and the earth is going to, it's going to take some time, but the, it's going to cool down and the climate is going to repair and heal itself as people, thanks to this amazing corporate ad campaign, <laughs> not just from Pepsi, a combination was Pepsi, Microsoft, Apple. They all joined together like the fucking A-team. The messaging was so strong. Everyone changed. Come on, you're going to bet on that versus the fucking road. You're going to bet on that versus no, me and my family. I've got a backpack on just trying to find a place where it's not 120 degrees that that's it and so you see someone looking at that from a completely like machiavellian uni unibomber perspective right and you can see how there would be motive there would be motive from a, an individual or groups of individuals to do things that are completely fucked up that would lead to the massive amounts of death, that would lead to massive catastrophic human death. And they would do that because they looked at the math and thought to themselves, well, how much death do you want? Do you want to, you want the death to be some kind of series of fucking catastrophes resulting from too many people eating too much shit and driving too many cars? Or do you want it to be a like a uh, 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 more surgical, uh, uh, approach here. I'm not defending it, by the way. I'm just, you know, that thing as above, so below. You look at what you're thinking. You imagine if I'm thinking it, other people are thinking it. I know if I'm thinking it, probably other people are thinking it, but taking it way more seriously. If you're thinking it, people are already thinking it probably, Jason, and they're taking it way more seriously. And so that opens up a lot of creepy possibilities. I'm not trying to freak everybody out here by painting the picture of some mad scientist, loner, biologist, virologist. It sounds like it sounds like a fucking James Clancy book or something. I'm just saying, why wouldn't that happen? Present to me a good argument for that not happening. If a fucking Ted Kaczynski went out in the cabin in the woods and just started sending mail bombs to people because that's the technology he had, why would it stop with Kaczynski? If we've got people who will walk into a shopping mall and mow people down with AR-15s, <laughs> why would it stop with an AR-15? Well, 
you know, why wouldn't it get to the point where a person's like, I'm going to take a pre-existing hyper-contagious virus that has a long incubation period and I'm going to upgrade it a little bit. Why wouldn't that happen? Give me a reason that wouldn't happen and I'll feel a lot better. Well, you're worrying about things that haven't happened. Thank so you. <laughs> you're, you're catastrophizing. <laughs> I went black pill. Black I black pilled. I usually don't do that. I'm, I mean, look, I'm, maybe it's I'll just that this. I'm, I don't know. I don't believe that's necessarily going to happen. I just, when my late at night, you know, when I'm letting the wolves, when I'm letting my Fenris wolf run free. You know, that's one of the howls that it Well, emits. you know what they say, right? It's like, you know, within every man, there's two wolves, the good wolf and the bad wolf. And it depends on which one you feed uh, takes over. So that's why you feed them both. And you're like, fuck, yeah, I've got two wolves. No one's going to fuck oh, with yeah, me now. You do a podcast <laughs> with them. You make exactly. the post of your podcast, I think. is <laughs> So, um, well... Okay, but the, what my response is, well, this is why it's so important for us to imagine better scenarios because thank you. Look, I mean, you, you said as above so below and if things are things are obsessed people are obsessing over things and they're in a sense creating them another and and we are a mass psychic phenomenon, things spread between minds. And so this is why I'm sure and I'm sure many environmentalists feel the same way and and why I've been so frustrated for so long where it's people either you know they immediately go to the road well it's not going to be the road it's going to be like you know shenzhen china or something like that but just more of it and or it's going to be like la 2020 i and, love you jason you're someone who can casually say shenzhen china and imagine <laughs> we're all like oh of course shenzhen well the plant the plant where they make your iphone you know which you should know about okay. if you're using an iphone it's just a huge industrial city in china that's really polluted so uh and it's where they have the suicide nets on foxconn you know for the apple workers yeah. so they don't kill themselves because it sucks making apple gear um so i think that it's for this very reason that we need to come up with you know, because it's it's so easy to go like, oh, like go full Ted Kaczynski. You know, well, that's not a very that was, you know, he, he certainly had many points, but he was not particularly effective or or useful in what he did. He didn't Nothing, have the tech. Well, he, well, that you can have that point. And I think that um, but this this is very much much why we need to a begin from. The point of, I think, just caring at all. And it's not just caring, it's saying, you know what, this game may be winnable in a positive way for everyone. Let's just say that. We don't necessarily need to know how, but let's just come from that assumption. And um, and then use our creativity. I mean, there's the, the human race can literally do anything, anything. And so, but unfortunately, there's been very little cultural will to focus on this issue for various reasons, not least of which is the the massive funding from right-wing concerns like the Koch brothers and the uh, Mercer Foundation and things like this to make sure that people are wigging out about Antifa super soldiers or whatever such nonsense, you know, uh, you know, the Tucker Carlson's of the world tell people to freak out about or that, you know, vice versa on the left. Um, and Well, can I tell you something real quick? Here is one one idea I'm working with and it's fun to think about. And also, I think like if we that this messaging is exciting. So, if we live in a multiverse, and on one side of the damn thing, we have the apocalypse, ecological collapse, and complete doom, and then on the other side, we have the 
sort of um, reharmonization with the planet. Uh, the, 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 essentially like the, for humanity as a whole, the great enlightenment moment, some version of that, you paint the picture according to what you think it would look like. And th these are pre already existing universes. And that the way to transit from one to the other is through making personal good decisions ecologically. So in other words, by beginning to make subjectively the changes in your own life, you don't have to feel like, well, I'm one out of a million fucking locusts who's decided not to eat every single fucking blade of wheat. What's the point? But if you think that every time you're making these um, decisions that you're actually shifting into a, a closer and closer towards this, whatever it is, paradise versus collapse, you know what I mean? To me, that gives me a little bit more like... Uh, it makes it a little more exciting when I'm recycling. It makes it a little more si exciting when I am living in a way that isn't so completely parasitic. Because it's like, again, we it's the problem is in the very honest howls of terror, like what you just heard from me, <clears throat> from people who have like, you know, you talk to any fucking climate scientist worth their weight in salt. I don't know what that means even. And they act like they've been looking at the fucking Necronomicon, man. <laughs> they're like, yeah, because they're shitty at they're shitty at marketing, yeah, right? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, but and they, so they just tell the truth. That's why you need you need people. You you need it's a different job to do the cultural message. Science is a different job than cultural messaging and propaganda. Right? Yeah, man. We need propaganda in in place, which is like because otherwise it's like. Jesus Christ, man, you just aren't going to get people to change the behavior if every single individual thinks, what's no, the fucking point? No, you can't make it fear-based because people just shut down. What are you going to do? The starfish story or the kid throws a starfish into the sea or whatever? You know that dumb story? What is that? I'm just thinking of the chocolate starfish album by Limp Biscuit. No, the starfish story. A kid is like somebody sees a kid throwing starfish into the ocean and says- and Then they throw the kid in the ocean. You can't save all those starfish. And then, like, the kid, like, looks at them and his face is a starfish. And he says, <laughs> I have come, I am the eater of stars. And the little starfish butthole, like, pulse, like pulses with its little, little. <laughs> yeah, it pulses out. And then the tentacles grow into this massive thing. And he drags them down into the sea where he devours them for a million years. Exactly. That's exactly it. We need to summon the great starfish god to return from the, the Marianas Trench yeah. to devour it, it, Miami. It's the starfish story. <laughs> well, well. I ended up right. I ended up literally like doing like the monsters are coming. Don't, free, don't freak uh, out, man. I, I didn't mean to do it. That's the, you're getting to, the fear. Uh, it's like the Manson thing. You're getting the fear, man. I don't even man. have the fear. That's the thing. I don't even have the fear. That's the problem. I don't even have the fear. I just did this interview at Singularity out, University. It stuck with me for the longest time. I don't have the fear. I think you're right. I mean, I think there is hope. And, yeah. the, and, and really the, the hope is tend to the part of the garden you can touch. It's, it's what Jack Kornfield says. It's like, all you can do is bring it home, literally bring it home. Get better at being compassionate. Stop trying to be so fucking righteous. Stop getting on podcasts and bellowing out about eco-terrorism. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, love a little bit more and, 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 and give up that story that I just said, because I didn't mean it. I don't know why you bring it out of me sometimes, Jason. Get I do believe things are going to be better. I really do. Yeah. You know, I do. I think they are going to be better, but, uh, and, but I just don't know what, how we get there yet. Well, you don't need to know how. I mean, that's one of the things about hope, right? You don't need to know why there's hope to have it. You just have it. It's, that's what faith is, right? Yeah. In the yeah. true sense. Faith is you know it's going to turn out right. You don't need to know why. Because if you, if you start obsessing over why, then the next thing you know, you're just like, you know, making shitty comments about people's posts on Reddit. Yes. And it's even, you know what, man? It's even, and I, that's the myth of Sisyphus that I love is like, even if it is hopeless, even if it is pointless, even if there is, you still do it out of this general rebellion, this sense of like, I'm still going to do it in the face of like, even like, I think Camus talks about the person being marched to the firing squad that notices the way the sun shines on their shoelaces. You know what I mean? That it's like, even then it's like, it's still beautiful. And so I think we, that's, that's the way to do it. Add to it, you know, you trying in your own little sector of life to be kinder, more compassionate, less consumeristic, worship Odin, try to ascend Yggdrasil, the, the world tree, drink from the well. What the fuck's the well in front of the world tree? You tell me, have a conversation with the snake in the world tree, see what the, it has to say. And then at the other side of it, maybe we have some pagan paradise. I, I'm disappointed, honestly, man. I I'm, I'm ex- I love that you're talking about climate change and, and getting people, trying to come up with a way to get people to be kinder to the earth. But I really, maybe the next podcast, we can fucking talk about how the hell I can do Odin magic. Next one. Next one. That's what I want to do. All right. We got 10 seconds left before it cuts me off because I only paid for two hours of credit. <laughs> I talk too much. That was great. Next one will be Odin. Thank you, Jason.